Hi, I'm Todd Nathanson. And I'm Danny Roth. And welcome back to Song vs. Song. Uh, this week we are going way back to the 60s. The most important era of music ever, as I have been told. Uh-huh. You don't, you don't look like you believe me. I mean, <sighs> I mean, I grew up with boomer parents, so yeah. we, of, we of, all, of course yeah. I have this influence on me. Yeah, no, same. I have nostalgia for boomer nostalgia, I guess. Yes, you have secondhand nostalgia. Nostal- you went to the Buffalo Exchange, you went, <laughs> you, you know, and uh, and you got some 1960s nostalgia. You got some uh, some like far out bell bottoms. I don't know what did they do in the sixties. Bell, bell bottoms is sixties, so, isn't it? I, I guess it's the seventies ba- thing. I don't know. It's groovy, uh, uh, peace, peace and love, far out, man. Right on. The two songs yep. are the Kingsmen's "Louie Louie" from nineteen sixty three, and the Trogs's "Wild Thing" from nineteen sixty six. Danny, yep. which of these is the better song? Uh, my gut response to that is wild thing. Why wild thing? Uh, so the really stupid answer to this is that I, I already know the answer. Well, do, go, do you really have know the answer to this? Maybe, I mean, like, maybe I don't. I had a guess, but go okay. on. Okay. I associate these both with movies. Okay. I think I was right, but go on. Okay. <laughs> so, um, wild thing I know from, uh, major league. Of course. And despite the, see, I was not, I didn't grow up, um, really being, I, didn't, I don't think I saw Animal House until much later. Uh-huh. So, f- unfortunately for me, when I think of Louie Louie, I think of the huge Kelsey Grammer smash down <laughs> yeah. Periscope. Oh, man, I totally do also. If I'm associating, with, like, which is the better song, I think my brain defaults to which is the better movie. Uh-huh. And, and whilst... Uh, or which, which song I th- which song do I think gets used more effectively? Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, I mean, like, so Major League... A movie that if you watch now for the first time, you will think, my goodness, this is extremely offensive. Really? Because I've I've never actually seen Major League all the way through. I've no, seen like it the just end. Seem, it seems like a movie that's like a, that's going to be a capital P problematic in the year of our Lord 2020. That's my that's my guess. I also haven't seen it in a while, but like in my mind's eye, it seems well, I mean, it's not ab- good. It's about the Cleveland Indians, which is already problematic. Right. Also. <laughs> that's the thing is that just from the just from the get. Although I will say this. Isn't Down Periscope and Major League the same movie? Actually, now that you mention it, yes. And I have seen Down Periscope so many times. I've never seen Major League all the way through, but I can tell you that Major League is almost certainly the better movie. Down Periscope is garbage, but yes, I too have watched the movie that is best known as the movie where Kelsey Grammer has a tattoo on his penis. That's the running joke of the whole movie. Kelsey Grammer, movie star, movie lead vehicle for Kelsey Grammer, just think about it. It's amazing. You know what's funny is that at the time, the idea, like what made it funny is because he's Frasier. Yeah. But it's not funny anymore because everybody knows that Kelsey Grammer is exactly the sort of man who would have a tattoo on his penis. Yeah. Like now we know. At the time, it seemed preposterous. Okay. You, none of you time even, makes fools of us all, man. <laughs> none of you even know the scene we're talking about, but there's a scene where they're like trying to sneak past a sub with their own sub, so they like... They're in a storm, so they like rig it up like it looks like a regular fishing boat, and they drunkenly sing "Louie Louie" to sound like a like drunken fisherman. And here is the thing: it made me think that "Louie Louie" was a really old song. It like almost like it was a sea shanty. It, well, it is kind of in its way. Yeah, you know, I mean, we're not even technically speaking when you say um, the Kingsman. 
Yeah. Like, they're not even really the first people that recorded it. No, the, the first guy is the guy named Richard Berry. He was like an extremely minor R&B singer in the 50s. He cut Louie Louie as a B-side. I, I, read, I read this whole thing about it. He had an R&B cover of You Are My Sunshine, which also is much more recent than you realize. Yeah. He was singing You Are My Sunshine. He did like a little B-side that he slapped together called Louie Louie. That's the one that became a hit and by a hit, like a, like a regional hit, like in the Washington area in the Pacific Northwest. It sold a, you know, a few hundred thousand copies and then it disappeared. And then five years later, the Kingsman record it and it becomes like the biggest song in history. And to, to this day, it's like, honestly, it's kind of like the Old Town Road of 1963. because it, it was like this insanely popular song that doesn't really make any sense no matter which way you look at it. Well, I mean, I, we, I guess we'll talk about this more when we get to the history section. But yeah. um, I would say both of these songs feel a little bit outside because 1966 is, I mean, like we'll get we'll get there. I don't want to I don't want to rush our way to that. Um, we still have to. No, no. But where are you going with that? I'm curious. Oh well, I mean, all right. So like 1963, uh, if you think about it, right? Like Louis Louis feels out of step with the music, I guess. But it was still like music was kind of basic at the time. Like it's like yeah. 1963, you get with the Beatles. 1963, you get Surfing USA. The fucking Trugs put out Wild Thing, which is also extremely basic. But by then, mm-hmm. 1966 is Revolver. 1966 is fucking Pet Sounds. Yes. Those are very... 1963 to 1966 is like you're living on like a completely different planet Earth. Well, yeah. Like, I'm um, Louis Louis, but at that, when Louis Louis was out, JFK was still alive. And that's the thing. Like, that's your, you know, your turning point is um, civil rights... Vietnam War, JFK, mm-hmm. and space travel, right? That's it. Like, it's the, all the growth pivots around, like, those things. But these two songs are <laughs> the same fucking song, Todd. They're the same song. You know, I hadn't thought about these two songs in relation to each other when I picked this. I was just like, oh, these are, like, accepted 60s rock classics by, you know, teenagers who don't know how to play their instruments. I was like, that makes a good matchup. And then I was like listening to them back to back. I'm like, oh, my God, it's the same riff. How did I not realize that? Wild thing. Dude, 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 Oh, doo-doo. baby. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So what, which song do you knee jerk uh, go for? Which one is the one that you would say is the better song at first blush? I think uh, Wild Thing is the one that holds up for me. Because like we are, like I said, we are well past, you know, the boomer 60s jerk off at this point. We are now the the jerker offers. So, yeah. <laughs> so, these, you know, these songs are very old to me now. I remember them being revered by, you know, my parents' generation and the music writers of that generation when I was first starting getting to music. Like, this is, these are the most important songs in the universe. And it's great because, you know, they were by, you know, stupid kids who didn't know how to do anything. And it's like, I get it, but like in 2020, the kinds of music that it inspired and the music that it feels like so far removed, like garage rock and rock as a whole has like faded so far from the cultural memory banks. It's like it feels a lot more archaeological than it did when I first heard these songs. Yeah, they feel. um, Yeah, I don't even know. Like they don't really have a place. Like, I don't know who's going to be sampling them. You know, just think about it. Wild thing when it came back around, uh, 
around 1989 with mm-hmm. uh, with Major League and such. That was a time in which we thought that Charlie Sheen was cool. <laughs> oh, time does make fools of us all. <laughs> you know what? Here's my other my other beef with uh, with um, with Louie Louie. It's not even my favorite nonsensical song where I can't tell what any of the lyrics are. Why? Where are you going with this? Oh, well, I'll tell you. It's a dead heat by gum. A tie for the number one spot. The two best songs where you can't understand the lyrics, of course, are Tourette's by Nirvana off of the In Utero album. Uh-huh. And and the, obviously the most logical one, the one that I'm sure you're all thinking about right now, the end credits theme to WKRP in Cincinnati. I have no idea what you're talking about. Oh, really? That song fucking rules. Speaking of boomer nostalgia. Yes, no. I, I decided I would go full boomer this episode. <laughs> yeah. I was like, I'm just going to embrace it. If we're going to do it, then let's let's go hard or go home. I don't know. I've heard other songs that have that thing where you can't really understand what they're saying. Mm-hmm. But they're better than that. Yeah. Like, I, Louie Louie is fine. It's weird that it was so big. And it's also, we might as well get into the history of it. Yeah. Of the two songs, Louie Louie, by far and away, has the more bizarrely fascinating historical footprint. Yeah, no, I was just, like, doing, like, the most cursory of research on Louie Louie. Because, I've you know, I've, I know it was revered. And I know it was extremely popular. And I know it was, like, in the charts for, like, a billion years. But like there are like whole books about it. There's an entire book about the history of Louie Louie, this nonsense garage rock song where you can't understand a single word. Well, this is the thing. Uh, if you can't understand the words, your brain, your brain decides what the words are. It's nice. It's nice to not know. It, it kind of feels like when I listen to like foreign language music. Like it, it's freeing in its own way. You don't have to worry what the lyrics mean. But the thing is, so, all right. So the, the really, I mean, we don't need to give a, a whole huge history lesson here, but like the FBI got involved because there was this idea that the actual lyrics were profane and perverse. Yeah, there was like I was like, I'm gonna stick my bone in her hair. Was like one bizarre like interpretation of what he was trying to say. So supposedly. Some college student had written like parody lyrics uh-huh. and they Press became very popular. Yeah, mm-hmm. impressed them and people became convinced that this was the real lyric. Mm-hmm. But what I like to say about these sorts of things is that uh, when something has lyrics that aren't really lyrics at all mm-hmm. and you decide that the lyrics are perverse and profane, the call is coming from inside the house. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like. I have bad news. The pervert is the, you know, ask not for who the pervert tolls. Um, but yeah, so there was all this stuff that happened. And uh, one of the things that I thought was really interesting, and I went down a rabbit hole, is that this song was not allowed to be played in the state of Indiana. Oh, right. That's right. Yes. I remember hearing that on the old VH1 shows. So then Governor uh, Matthew E. Welsh mm-hmm. banned Louie Louie, because it, he felt that the song was profane. He he bought the hype. Yeah. That it was this disgusting, perverted song, and he believed in being a gentleman, and so he said, you can't play it. Yeah, like when I said, when I was comparing it to Old Town Road earlier, like Old Town Road was like kicked off the country charts because, you know, the, the you know they decided it wasn't really country, and there was a big outrage about that, and it just made it helped turn it into the biggest song of all time. That something kind of like that happened with Louie Louie. It was like, Oh, it's banned. Like that's even better. It's like, 
you tell me it's filthy and disgusting, where can I find it? Yes, uh, reverse psychology yes. is a thing. But what's what I find to be so fascinating is that um, the reason why I, I, I would actually bring up the specific guy and the reason why I went down the rabbit hole is when somebody does something like that, because now, of course, uh, looking back, hindsight is always twenty twenty, right? Mm-hmm. So banning Louis Louis is stupid. Incredibly. Is Matthew E. Welsh, former governor of <laughs> Indiana, a stupid man? And the answer is, weirdly, no. Go in, on. In fact, he was so like, if you look, I mean, like all all politicians have lists of things that they do good and bad. Mm-hmm. Um, he was a guy that had an understanding, which is never popular, that uh, sometimes when you have a really bad deficit when your state is in a lot of trouble, mm-hmm. you have to raise taxes. <laughs> so he did the very unpopular thing of raising taxes, even though nobody wanted him to do it. Um, mm-hmm. The only problem was that he had this idea that he had, it was like a two, two, two tax. So it was like this state tax goes up, this tax goes up and like everything went up, like personal tax went up 2%. Corporate tax went up 2%, and it was like, this is almost a good idea, except it's the idea that, like, everything should have gone up the right amount. It's not like a socialist idea of, like, Uh the corporation should have been getting taxed more than that. But, like, give him credit. Yeah. Like, yes, in those times, like, you probably should put taxes up a little bit. But the other thing that was really interesting about him is that he was a huge civil rights guy. Uh Uh-huh. He passed tons of civil rights legislation. He made it so that if you were bad to black people if you wouldn't hire black people you got really fucking screwed for it like he made it like he tried to make it as impossible as it could be mm-hmm. to discriminate against black people as far as employment and housing and stuff like that went so like he was also that guy and to the point that um I don't know if you knew this but um when LBJ was running um for president uh, he didn't go around to every state. There were certain states that he knew he was good to go or like whatever yeah. his circumstance was. So he didn't bother for the primaries going to Indiana. Mm-hmm. And instead, this other guy came in who was a segregationist. And he was like, cool, I'll be the only person and I'll be able to say that I, a segregationist, got elected in the primaries in uh, in Indiana. And so this dude, uh, Welsh, was like, I'm not actually running for president, but I'm going to pretend for just the state of Indiana because fuck this segregationist uh-huh. and won. So right. I think it's kind of interesting that like you could still be a perfectly reasonable, thoughtful, and even progressive individual and still yeah. get caught up in the hysteria of Louie Louie. Well, you know, a lot of progressives of what you call progressives in the 80s were also up on that Tibber Gore shit. Like, yeah. I just think it's kind of an interesting political fact as, as we... Uh, hurl ourselves into political madness once again. It's kind of uh, good to remind ourselves that sometimes even uh, thoughtful politicians do stuff that's real dumb. Yeah. Well, you know, all this stuff increased the hype for Louie Louie, but you did not pick Louie Louie. I did not. Why not? Because I kind of get the feeling like, I'm not sure Louie Louie is actually a very good song. Like maybe you had to be there, or but like Louie Louie by the Kingsman is the only version of Louie Louie I'd ever want to hear. Because it's like so insanely raw and almost like drunken, but like the actual bones of the song, I'm not sure are actually all that impressive. Yeah, and it's weird because like you know, other people had done that song, including the Kinks, and it's like, man, I should like this, and I don't. I love the Kinks, and I don't like their version of Louie Louie. Iggy Pop, 
he used to go out and tour and use that song. In fact, like the last time before they before him him and the Stooges reunited, it was like the last song they did. And it's just okay. Like there's a Motorhead version. It's also yep. fine. There's a Black Flag version. There's yeah. a Blondie version. There's a Joan Jett version. Yeah. They're fine. There's a Beach Boys version. Like Ugh. and they're all significantly less good than this no name. Yeah, nothing, like, like I, the Kingsmen who were just are nothing. Like there's definitely some kind of stink of accidental magic on the, the Kingsman version because it's a it's a one take thing, and it's a, a terrible version. Like apparently got popular. well, it's a thing that they have in common with um with 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 Wild Thing. Wild Thing also was recorded in like an afternoon. Apparently, it was like got popular because someone played it in Boston. And it was like, and now here's our worst record of the week. It's like yeah. a joke. Yes. And like it does, it's so amateur and so raw that like that's kind of the magic of it. Like the fact that there's like a right after the solo, there's supposed to be like a little break, and the singer tries to jump in and is like, "Oh, I I overshot my cue. I got to sit here and for a second they left that part in, and they had to like vamp and refit, you know, like solo. They did a, like a little drum solo to fill it in, and then he comes in and there's like. Okay, so we're going to do a second take of this, right? A good take. Like, no, we, we don't. Who are you? Get out of here. Get out of my studio. Bye. <laughs> yeah. It feels like a live thing. It's. I just think it took off because it's a song that if you were really drunk, you'd sing. Like, that's why it seems like a sea shanty. It just seems like you went out, you got drunk, and you're just like, oh, babe. Yeah. Hey, 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 hey. <laughs> No, like, they, I, I know that guy. I literally know that guy at my bar who just sits <laughs> there and like every couple of minutes goes, ay, 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 No, like, well, it's written as a sea shanty-ish kind of thing. Like it was written in the 50s and it was like about a Jamaican guy who's sailing home to see his girl. So it's, you know, that's how it was intended. And if you ever actually listen to like the original version, like the guy himself is black, but he's not Jamaican. And he, you know, he was like, he uses me instead of I. He uses all that kind of Jamaican syntax, but he says it, sings it in like the the flattest American way, like, and it sounds so weird. It almost sounds stranger than like the white kids doing it because at least they have the, you know, the good sense to not be able to tell what you can, you can't understand what they're saying, and that kind of works better. Okay, well, tell me why you think Wild Thing holds up a little better. You know how sometimes it's the thing that's not there. That makes a thing work. Yeah. That's it. That's the whole reason. It's <laughs> What's that not it's, there? Well, you know, they have points where, like, there's a pause where there's nothing. Yeah. You know, you can headbang to it. So there's a thing that, that you and I talk about, and it's the best analogy I can come up with. It requires very little explanation. Um, I'm married to a person that does another podcast uh, at this very table that we're recording at now. Her name is Raven Jacobowski. Mm-hmm. Her and I have two very different styles of humor. You I do. Have, I have uh, everything in the kitchen saying, just throw everything at the wall and hope to God that something sticks. Uh-huh. My wife will quietly say nothing and then will make one comment the whole night and it will be the funniest thing that you've heard <laughs> in years. Jeez. And that is the difference to me between Louie Louie and Wild Thing. Yeah, like Louie Louie, they are just like going wild on it. There's like drum fills everywhere in random spots that they don't belong versus Wild Thing, which is like, I guess like the the sparer garage rock of the two. They stop and they don't 
try anything beyond their reach. It's much simpler and, and slower, I guess. Yeah, I think it just ultimately works better. It's like a better composition. Like it's sometimes simpler is is better in that way. Oh, you know what else makes it better? What? It's got an ocarina in it. I an have ocarina. no idea what was, I have no idea what was going on in the 60s. They, were they like, decided what? they were going to put an ocarina. And here's what I know. When I think ocarina, yes. I think I think Legend of Zelda. And here's another thing I think. The last Legend of Zelda game that came out was called Breath of the Wild. Why the hell was that game not called Breath, <laughs> Breath of, of the, the Wild, Wild thing? thing? Yes. Oh, I, I don't know. I, I think it's just like absolutely inspired because it's just like kind of one step above the recorder. And I've heard some pretty hilarious recorder covers in my day recently. It's just kind of it sounds like it fits with the, the raw garageness of it. It's like, hey, my little brother who has a recorder, you want to jump in on this? It's like, yes. And. It play a little uh, solo that sounds like a little kid's playing it on a little kid's toy. Yeah. And I mean, also you get, um, you know, Jimi Hendrix is a cover of Wild Thing, which is obscenely long, but it's still a Jimi Hendrix rendition of something, which is always cool. Yeah. Well, the thing about Wild Thing is that it's an extremely horny song. Like, it is like full of raw, carnal energy. And that's why I think it's a little easier to translate that into other things. Like when Jimi Hendrix did it, the the first version of Wild Thing I remember was not the Major League version. It was, believe it or not, a version by the comedian Sam, Sam Kinison. Kip- yes. Oh, which is a parody basically because it's him like I guess screaming about like an ex wife or something. Yeah, it's a it's a joke song. It's a novelty song. But my dad was a big Sam Kinison fan, so he played it for me. And like, if you ignore the fact that if you ignore the the punchlines and the Rodney Dangerfield of it. At all if you ignore all that it is a fucking kick-ass version of it sam kennison is a great voice yeah you know which is not it's funny because i don't think it had occurred to me until i heard the song i was like oh yeah that makes sense the guy for whom every punchline was the same right like yeah, him screaming would, at his yeah yeah he would say whatever the punchline is and he'd go oh, oh yeah every time so of course yes it makes sense that that guy would be able to wail which he can yeah, but like if you ever see the video, too, it's like a pretty straightforward metal vi- '80s hard rock metal video. It's got like Bon Jovi's in there and Billy Idol and Aerosmith and at least one of the guys from Motley Crue, I think Tommy Lee. And like if he had wanted to make it like just a regular version of itself, like it it would have ruled. It would have uh, kicked ass. I think it I think it charted actually. And um, speaking of charting, I, I actually also found a version that charted from like. The 60s, like 1967, 1968. Oh, is this the one that was about Bobby Kennedy? Yes. It's just some guy doing a Mayor Quimby impression. Well, you know, a Robert Kennedy impression in the 60s. And it was. And then Robert Kennedy died. Yeah. That, that song that... killed him. Oh, speaking of jokes that did not age well, that one aged well for a. Com- aged badly for a completely different reason. Yeah, that's weird. It's super weird. But, but yeah, like he like died like, right after it. I think he died within a year of that song being released. <laughs> and they also, I, I have to go back and look it up, but there was a, there was a B-side that was about, because they wanted, I guess they were trying to be fair and balanced. <laughs> so that so that he is a Democrat, and then a B-side, they had a song about, there was a Republican, and the yeah. Republican also died. Oh, wow, did he? <laughs> yeah, so let me just tell you something right here, right now. Rock music kills. Wow. Well, bad parodies kill, apparently. 
That's right. Only Weird Al should be allowed to make parody music. That's it. Weird Al and and uh, and uh, you know Lonely Island. End of list. Yeah, but I I really like the Trogs. They were you know they're called that because they were called caveman rockers. Yeah, because that was like a whole subgenre of music in the sixties. Cave caveman rock. Yeah, well, it's it it does kind of sound like they're beating on their instruments with clubs. They became a little, like a little tighter, like an actual band. Well, later. I was going to say they're only like that for a little bit because it's yeah. like Wild Thing and with a girl like you, they are both kind of like that, and that makes mm-hmm. sense because they were recorded in the same session. Yeah, if you you may know that one it was in a few commercials a while ago. It was like I want to spend my life with a girl like, like you. Yeah. So that's that one. But, you know, by the time they got into their career, they mm-hmm. have another song, which is weirdly known because of a Christmas cover from a, a movie, like not even a real Christmas cover, like a joke Christmas cover. Yeah. So they did a song called Love Is All Around. Mm-hmm. And uh, I never think of the actual song. I think of Love Actually. Christmas is all around me. That one. It's that song. Yeah. Okay, that that one has like a weird lineage because that was like an actual hit in the 60s. Yep. Not a huge hit. And then it became covered for the Four Weddings and a Funeral soundtrack. And it is awful. It is like a piece of total garbage. Does, wait, in that, is it also Bill Nye or is it not? No, it's a it's a, a band called Wet, Wet, Wet. Oh, okay. It would have been funnier if it was actually Bill Nye. Okay, so that was Richard Curtis's first big movie. Yes. And then he made it... Dr- directorial debut with love actually and i was like i haven't ruined this song enough why don't we ruin even further as a joke oh and no then, i love that it's yeah. not that's not ruined let's 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 be real if you're going to rank the plot lines of love actually <laughs> bill nighy is way towards the top oh yeah he's got the best of them it's he's one of the least because- creepy ones his literally just ends with I, I love my manager. He is the person I'm closest with, and I don't need to go hang out with Elton John because my fat, schlubby guy who's been by my side through the best and worst of times is the guy I want to be with in this weird moment where I'm kind of successful and I know it's not going to last. Yeah, it is It is certainly in the at least the top two of the plot lines in that movie, a good half of which are extremely creepy. Yes, <laughs> It's mostly like this girl doesn't speak English. I must marry her. Yeah, you know, that's... this this woman is married to my best friend, but I am going to creep up on her and let her know that I hate her because I love her. And also watch out for zombies. <laughs> yes, he went on to fight zombies. That guy he did. What else? Wait. And then the guy that goes to America. Now I'm just thinking about all the creepy storylines of love. Actually, like they're. They're mostly creepy. The guy that just goes and oh. like a bunch of women. It's creepy metatextually. I was like, what? Curtis, are you like just imagining like if I go to America, hot American women will want to have sex with me just because my <laughs> accent is is we're good. off on a weird tangent. I'm just us. saying it's very weird. And the point is that love is all around was one of the yeah. drugs hits. And it sure the shows the short. I'm going to bring it back around. It shows yeah. how brief caveman rock was a thing. Yeah, I, I wanted to make the point that the Trogs, even though they're only really known for that one song, they did have an actual career. They, they were like, the Kingsmen have a much stranger career and much briefer and much less successful. I kind of thought they were like one of those like fake British bands, but they were not. They precede the fake British band invasion. But their their lead singer, he sounds like that because he had a mouthful of braces and he was singing into the wrong end of the mic. And yeah, they tried to play it up like it was something else. 
Like they were like, it was the mic's fault. And they were like, in (laughs) fact, somebody else came in and recorded something else right after. And it sounds fine. We have an historical record of who else came into this room. (laughs) And if you listen to the next band that came in, it didn't sound like that. Of course. So they're expecting this terrible song they made to do nothing. And uh, the band leader, who was also the drummer, uh, Lynn Easton, he tells the lead singer, Jack Eli, hey, why don't I sing and you switch to drums? And he's like, no, I don't want to be the drummer. So he quit. And so right after that, Louie Louie blows up. Yes. Yeah, so now so now the guy who's decided he wanted to be the lead singer, he was always lip syncing. Everyone yeah. did live stuff. They would just have them. They'd put the Jackie Light track on. Yeah. I was planning on covering Louie Louie at one point for One Hit Wonderland, but it turns out they are not. Uh, Kingsman are not one hit wonders. They also did a song right after this that apparently hit the top 10 or something called uh, let me say this correctly here. Jolly Green Giant. Oh. It is about the Jolly Green Giant, the mascot of Green Giant canned foods. Yes. Ho, ho, ho. Yeah. I really like the part where he just randomly shouts, Brussels sprouts. Uh, I like the part where he randomly shouts artichoke hearts, personally. <laughs> oh, my God. It's This is a real Brussels sprouts versus artichokes episode of Song versus Song. <laughs> Yeah, so like it's very obvious why they never really stuck around the Kingsmen. Like their their story is just like absolutely insane, and they're like they're clearly like not artists of any real no. import. No, but that you know that's like where they were. This is like the '60s novelty stuff. It's like a glory area of of really incredibly stupid songs about Alley Oop, the cartoon caveman, or you know Bird, 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 bird is, is the word. The word. My gosh. Like, Seth MacFarlane's probably a huge Louie <laughs> Louie fan. Massive. Ugh. All right, do you want to do three questions? I feel like this is not an episode that requires an hour of us talking. Well, these, these, are the same, the- these are still the same goddamn song. No, honestly, though, like, you know, I, I've been growing up with on the VH1 shows where they rhapsodize about how, you know, glorious and important these songs are. And, you know, part of it is how so stupid they are is what makes them great. It feels like, you know, like I saw a whole book about this. I feel like we could, if we wanted to, dissect it forever and ever and ever, Dan. I don't want to. <laughs> I don't want Okay, well, let me say this. Which one has the better opening five seconds? Uh, oh, man. Because, I re- you know, if I was like... In the 60s, and I heard these songs for the first time, both of those opening riffs would blow me away. For uh, for Louie Louie, it's that opening keyboard riff. Doot, 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 doot. And I think that re- that really is, like, genuinely great. But I also love that... On Wild Thing. Yeah. I don't know. I am a sucker for, uh, for an organ, so I say I might actually say Louie Louie to that. I like a good little quick organ riff. I tried. It's it's surprisingly harder than you think. There's a I lot mean, of accidentals in it. I don't think about it at all. <laughs> all right, let's do the three questions. All right, so there are three questions that we ask. Uh, one of the songs we're actually going to sub out because uh, one of the three questions is like which which song we want to like see the creation of. We, we already we, covered I think we've that. Both, we've all, we've also kind of agreed that we don't care. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but all right. So the first question is only one of these can continue to exist. Uh, the other will be lost to the annals of time. Which of these two songs must continue? As much as 
Wild Thing has a very important place in the universe. Like it, it it's got to be Louis Louis. I'll tell you what. Um, I will agree to that mm-hmm. if in getting rid of Wild Thing, I also get to have a time machine and I get to go to um, the guy's house who had Belushi's version of Louie Louie that got destroyed <laughs> in Hurricane Sandy and I get to rescue it. So that, that not only does Louie Louie exist, but also specifically the Belushi version exists. That's, yep. that's it. That's my consolation. I will accept but only if the Belushi version also gets Wait, to come back. Wait, is this back. like a copy that he owned or a copy he performed? He like, performed it. He had recorded it at one point. As as you know, I mean, he also, it's, it, it, features the, it, it, it features an animal house. With the Blues Brothers or with just like just him riffing? I think riffing? it was just him. I think it was just him. I don't think it was a Blues Brothers thing, but it was out there. Somebody had a recording of it and it got destroyed in Hurricane Sandy. So it doesn't exist anymore. And I want it. Actually, we've talked about Animal House. We talked about uh, Down Periscope. I was doing a an episode on young MC and apparently he made like a dance remix of Louie Louie in 1990. Really? Yeah. For a movie called Coupe de Ville, which is like a garbage movie. No one saw it set in the sixties, but they have like a big argument about whether the characters didn't have a big argument, whether Louie Louie is quote a hump song or a dance song. And they eventually conclude that it's a sea shanty. Yeah, that's correct. <laughs> I was going to say it's neither of those other two things at all. Well, I mean, that was the debate in the 60s. I'm sure there were a lot of arguments about it yeah. before, you know, Wikipedia. And well, I'm glad that we li- could settle all of them today. Yes. All right. So we agree uh, with a history question. Now, yeah. in lieu of which one do we want to see created? Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if you're aware, but there is a uh, there's a, uh, a, a Twitter handle out there wherein uh, the whole point of it is that it's this uh, pig running and then you put uh, you put different songs behind it. It's called Havelina Running Two, and uh, I would a propose great, it's a great Twitter. It's a great. It's called it, the actual handle is Havelina Running. That's Havelina with a J at the beginning. Yeah. Uh, so if you Havelina is some kind of weird desert pig. Yeah. So my question to you, Todd, is this: Our precious, precious, sweet baby Havelina can only run to one of these two songs. Is Havelina running to Louie Louie or is Havelina running to Wild Thing? I feel like it has to be Wild Thing. It has to be. It has yeah. to be. That's a good running song. And uh, now you know why it, it, it tells you why he's running. He's running for Wild Thing, that little desert pig. Yeah. If Havelina running listens to this podcast, actually, you know what? If you listen to this and you like Havelina running, tweet at Havelina running and tell them. That they need to include uh, a version with Wild Thing. It's, I don't care which version of Wild Thing, mm-hmm. just as long as it happens. So I'm glad we could agree. Yes. All right. Now, the third, and I would argue always most important question. Uh-huh. William Shatner is going to shat all over one of these songs. He's going to do a Shatner version of one song and only one of these two songs. Which version must be Shatnerized? I mean, it's got to be Wild Thing because it's almost already a Shatner song. That's right. That's a ho- I swear to God, yeah. I don't want to be friends with William Shatner, but I do just for this. I would be friends with William Shatner, all of the terrible things that he says aside, just so that he would do this for me. It's a very conversational thing. 
I mean, the the the, uh, the guy who actually wrote it said he wrote it in like three minutes, and it was just like basically just him ad libbing in the studio. Oh yeah, we didn't talk about the fact that that guy <laughs> is like a card counter and was making so much money off of it that like he would get like ten thousand dollars. He'd go and like gamble it at Vegas a day, and also he's related to John Voight. Yes, <laughs> brother Chip Taylor's the guy. I I don't know what his real name is, but it ends with Voight because he's John Voight's brother and Angelina Jolie's uncle. Yeah, that's so weird. Yes. What a weird, <laughs> yes. weird backstory that that song was created by a Voight. Uh, everybody loves John Voight. <laughs> Everyone's fave, John I'd, Voight. I would not want John Voight to perform it. No, I would say anyone can perform that, but I feel that forever he should be barred from it. In the state of Indiana, John <laughs> Voight can never play Wild Thing. Uh, but I tell you what, I've I looked up a whole mess of covers of both these songs. Yeah. The Wild Thing ones were all better than the Louie Louie ones. But I found a really, really crazy one of uh, Julie London, who was an actress, like a Broadway performer, doing a version of Louie Louie. And she, you know, she's a 60s pop singer, like in, in the sense of like Frank Sinatra pop. Like, and it is so bad. It is the worst thing I've ever heard. So, That's great. I love that. So <laughs> perhaps if we let Shatner do Louis Louie, we could get something equally terrible. Yeah, I don't know. It's just a wild. I mean, maybe wild thing is too obvious, but it still feels right. I don't know. Like Shatner's an actor. He's got to have lines and they're not really lines. in yeah. Louis Louie. Yes. He uh, whereas I can very easily see him once again, taking the long drag on the cigarette and going, <laughs> you move <laughs> me. I love you. It's <laughs> <laughs> terrible. Why? Uh, yeah, you know, that's the thing. Captain Kirk is climbing a mountain. Why is he climbing a mountain? Because he's in love. <laughs> that's just a fact. Uh, uh, all right. Wild th- With the Ocarina. I like that you can tell Wild Thing was written in three minutes. Yes. Just like yes. just the fact that, you know, Wild Thing, you make my heart sing, you make everything, and then they realize, oh, shit, that doesn't fit, make any sense. Groovy. Yeah. It's like, okay, we that's saved a, the that's line. That's a thing the kids say. Yeah, we <laughs> saved the line. That is truly a Buscemi, how do you do, fellow kids? Yeah. All right, let's let's hear from uh, from, from, from the, the listeners. Yes. All right, let me see. Natalie Coppin writes, seeing Louie Louie just gave me church youth group flashbacks when we would sing, Pharaoh, Pharaoh, whoa, let my people go. Ah, yeah, 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 yeah. For what it's worth, she was the first of about five people who mentioned this particular version of Louie Louie. Wow. Oi, 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 oi. Like, there's a whole Moses thing. They didn't share me the lyrics, but I have to assume, then Moses went and he parted the sea. I'm, I'm almost certain that line is in there. Like, like I said, apparently this one is extremely popular in youth groups. Wow. Man. Fucking Passover Seder suddenly rules. <laughs> okay. Cat Piano writes. <laughs> great name, Cat Piano. Everybody loves it. Related to Cat Power, I'm sure. Yeah. But Sean Marshall's uh, cousin. Yep. Right. Cat Piano writes, I'm going to go with Wild Thing because one year for Red Nose Day, the, ga- the cast of Game of Thrones came together to do a skit by turning Game of Thrones into a musical and they got Kit Harrington to do a parody of Wild Thing renamed Wildling. I could have looked this up before I came over here, but I chose not to, Dan. Why did you did you want to watch it together or did you decide that it was better for us to never know? 
You can look that one up on your own, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I won't. Yes. Uh, Lauren Wilde writes, As a chronic lyrics mishearer, I like that I can sing whatever the hell I want, and it'll be fine. It's it's karaoke on easy mode, Louie Louie. Yeah, I appreciate your comment, and uh, yeah. and as somebody who often forgets lyrics and forgets where they are, yeah, that, I, I take your point. The actual singers forgot the lyrics and forgot where to sing them, so, like, you're good. All right. Uh, John writes... I think Wild Thing would run away with it if it wasn't for the stupid Dwight Schrute recorder solo. You shut up, John. That recorder solo is great. Yeah, I always respect our uh, listeners, but fuck you, John. No. (laughs) (laughs) No, I I do. Knowing that it's an ocarina really makes it. It's not just just any flute. It's a Zelda flute. That's how you know. (laughs) Andrew Detterer writes, I remember a story about the Rock Bottom Remainders, which was a little midlife crisis garage band made up of professional authors, Stephen King being the most notable. Oh, yeah. I remember this. Yeah, Dave Barry was in it, Amy Tan. But anyway, going on, this guy writes, I remember Dave Barry, their occasional bassist, mentioning one member who would stalk about the stage waiting for his cue. He wasn't lead singer, and he didn't play anything. He would just wait to deliver the two brief spoken interludes in Wild Thing. I love you, and you move me. And I understood. I wanted to be that guy. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. That's relatable content. Yes. No, I was like, I wanted to be the guy everyone was waiting for. It moved me. All right. I think that'll uh, that'll about do it. So which one do you think won? Like, in the lens of 2020, and we've got, like, a a young viewership. At a guess? Yeah. I think it's got to be Wild Thing. I mean, I do actually just think from a composition standpoint, it's just better. Like Wild Thing, I mean, I mean um, excuse me, Louie Louie is about the groove, I guess. But like the actual like bones of the song, like Wild Thing feels more like an actual song to me. So that's that was my guess also. All right. So how did it actually uh, play out? For a total of 236 to 212. Wow. That's a 53% win for Wild Thing. Yeah. It made their hearts sing. I think that's probably what it really deserves in the end. Yeah, like a win, but not a big win. It's not like the, it's not like demonstrably superior to Louie Louie. Unimportant 1960s songs I don't think are going to be the ones that us or the listeners are like, there must be a clear winner. (laughs) We have to settle this once and for all. Yeah, well, you know, I didn't get a lot of comments that were like, these songs are garbage. Like, no, I don't, they're just they're yeah. just nothing. They're just fluff. Oh, man, my, my dad would kill you if he heard you say that. Yeah, well. All o- right. Okay, boom. No, I won't, I won't, I won't. <laughs> anyway, uh, what's the next song going to be? All right. What's now, the this next was, matchup? You know, this song, this is one I hesitated to do because I thought it would be a blowout, and I told... People, I wouldn't do it because it'd be a blowout. And they were like, no, that one's like really tight. It's like, okay, well, we'll see. We're going to do My Best Friend's Girl by The Cars versus Jesse's Girl by Rick Springfield. Uh, I actually don't think that'll be a blowout. Yeah. Well, we'll, we'll see. Like, which, which is the better jealous little bitch <laughs> anthem of the late 70s slash early 80s? All right. <laughs> just don't forget. We're, we'll put up a poll. You got to vote in it. Write your comments. We might read them in the yep. episode. And uh, uh, that is our episode. As always, 
Thank you for listening. Thank you for supporting us. If you want to continue supporting us, there are many ways to do it that cost you nothing. You can yeah. give us five stars. You can write a review when you see people asking for recommendations on social media or on Reddit or wherever. Tell them to check out Song vs. Song. And if you want to support us in a financial kind of way, if you're like, those poor bastards, they podcast for a living, help them. We do have a Patreon for just $1 a month. You can get a bonus episode. We do one episode every month. We've done many of them now, which means if you join up at this point, you get a huge backlog of episodes that you've never heard before. And uh, this coming month, I think, is going to be, the is it the Trolls movie that's next, or are we doing the, the Christian movie next? The Christian movie next, of course. Oh, gosh. Okay, so we're going to do a get Christian ready. film um, that is going to be really something. I love Christian movies. I don't know what you're... <laughs> See you next time, everybody. (laughs) The the look of pain on his face. Bye. Bye.